This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 575 with Abby Medcalf. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 575. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. This episode is brought to you by Talkspace. For $100 off your first month of therapy with Talkspace, go to Talkspace.com and use the promo code SHAMELESS. Abby Medcalf is a relationship maven, psychologist, author, podcast host, and TEDx speaker who has helped thousands of people think differently so they can create connection, ease, and joy in their relationships, especially the one with yourself. With her unique background in both business and counseling, she brings a fresh, effective perspective to life's struggles using humor and her direct, no-nonsense style. With over 30 years of experience, Abby is a recognized authority and sought-after speaker at organizations such as Google, Apple, AT&T, Kaiser, PG&E, American Airlines, and Chevron. She's been a featured expert on CBS and ABC and has been a contributor to HuffPost, Women's Health, and Bustle. She's also the author of the number one Amazon best-selling book, Be Happily Married Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing, and the host of the top-rated podcast, Relationships Made Easy. Her new book, Negative Things Suck and Not in a Good Way, will be coming out soon. 
Abby is a firecracker. This is a fun conversation that allows us to dive deep into relationships and see some things that maybe you were already seeing or feeling, but you couldn't quite articulate. Abby digs into all of it. So listen in to hear Abby share how her path as a recovering heroin addict living in Israel led her to her current work, why competition, not communication, is crushing your relationships, what competition in a relationship actually looks like, the concept of sharing, adding, and subtracting resources, a total reconceptualization of sharing plates with your partner in terms of each other's duties and responsibilities, how to stop feeling like you're always doing more than your partner. Some of you might need this. I needed that. (laughs) The exact way to have a conversation around household duties and division of labor at home, how to practice having faith and love and not fear, how confirmation bias erodes our relationships and how to see your relationships through a healthier lens. And also we spend some time acknowledging all the things that we want that are the same. We do want a lot of the same things like feeling loved and connected and accepted. Abby dives into all of it. So this is a really fun conversation that's going to give you some really great insight and definitely flip your mindset a bit in a few different areas around your relationships. And I think it's going to be really powerful and really helpful. So with all that said, let's welcome Abby to the Shameless Mom Academy. Abby, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm very excited for the, our just chatting and our conversation. Yes, I can tell from our pre-interview that we are going to have a lot of fun and <laughs> that there's going to be flow of conversation that's not going to be uncomfortable. Yeah, love it. <laughs> easy and fun. All right, easy and fun. And we're going to talk about relationships, which are not always so easy and fun. <laughs> so with all that, can you tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now? Oh, that's a lot. So I know, right? Uh, we like to just dive into all I'm of it. Like, Woo! <laughs> you know, basically, I'm a New Yorker transplanted. I live in Northern California now and I don't really fit in, but that's okay. <laughs> Cause every day people ask me why I'm dressed up and I have to say I'm dressed. But when you live, you know, in Berkeley, that's not always the, the right, case right, right. of putting on changing from pajamas to street clothes. So, but other, I'm just, you know, ranking on my love for the people here. So uh, yeah, I'm totally, I'm a West coaster. So I'm one of those people that's like, I have to change out of my yoga gear into pajamas at night. And like, that's, I'm like, how do I get more comfortable when I'm already in yoga gear? Like it's, those are the only two modes. And so I don't relate to the dressing up <laughs> New Yorker things. I'm entertained. <laughs> I understand. I have my stilettos on right now. Um, oh my God, yeah, I'm, I'm always doing it. So yeah, I go like to Target like this, but it's uh, yeah, it's a different world, but I'm very, I call myself, you know, relationship maven. I just, I love people. I love relationships. I love, even as I'm ranking on my neighbors, I love them all. You know, I chat with everybody. I'm that person who's, you know, knows the person who's at the deli counter who works there. I'm the one chatting with them too much to my children's embarrassment (laughs) and chagrin. And I'm raising teenagers right now. And thank God they're wonderful and we get along great and they're not perfect children by any means, which is great because we all know perfect sucks and we live a wonderful life. And I've been my, you know, my partner a long time and I tend to, I eat a lot and I cook a lot and I talk, I'm a food pervert. I talk about food constantly because I love it uh, all the time. And other than that, you know, I just have my sort of empire of (laughs) that I've built which includes, you know, my podcast and I meet with people still all these years, 35 years later, I still meet with people 
in individual or couples work and I still do corporate stuff and I write books and I have all the things and it's, yeah, it's really exciting. It's wonderful. I'm doing all the things I want to be doing. 35 years definitely qualifies you as an expert in right? relationships then. Damn, I would say <laughs> so. And then I practice what I preach, you know, and everything I talk about is not just what's worked in my life because I actually hate, <laughs> I want to use the word hate. I don't hate anybody. I dislike greatly when someone says, oh, this worked in my marriage. So this will work for you. I, mm-hmm. you know, because that's not it. I've worked, I literally have worked with tens of thousands of people in every walk of life you can imagine. And so what I've put together is what has worked with all my clients over the years. And then I've applied it to my own life and it's worked amazingly well in my life. And that's really how that works. Not, wow, this worked for me. Let me try it other places. So yeah, don't, I just hope anybody listening isn't following someone guru who doesn't, you know, really hasn't lived. Right, right, right. That doesn't actually have the either lived experience or true credentials. Yeah, right. And I like to think I have both. So yes, oh my goodness. And bring it all to the- Yeah, and so based on that, I want to know- the lived experience and credentials. Tell us, how did your personal story lead you to your current work? So I'm a recovering heroin addict and I, in my quest for getting clean, you know, took a while, as you might imagine. And in that I ended up in Israel. (laughs) I ended up across the world and lived there for a while. And when I was there, I worked with And I was going to be pre-law. I was pre-law. You know, I wanted to be a lawyer. That's all I ever wanted to be. I'm a Libra. Um, I just always wanted to be a lawyer. And even in my addiction, that's all I'd ever wanted to do. And then I ended up working at a camp with integrating Arab and Israeli children. And I kept getting a lot of feedback like, hey, you're really good at this. You know, you seem to have some affinity for this. And I had always been that person people came to as screwed up as I was personally. I seemed to, I was able to fake it a lot on the outside world. And so folks thought I had it together, I guess, and would, you know, I was that person. And so I then went and uh, turned my, so my, I have a bachelor's in political science, which I then went back and got a master's in counseling psychology and started working in the drug and alcohol field for many years, which is sort of what a lot of drug addicts do. We end up going to work in drugs and alcohol. And at some point in that, I felt like I wanted to do more. I wanted to not just be one-to-one. I wanted to be one-to-many. I wanted to affect businesses and all that. And so I went and got an MBA and I was really all about, you know, trying to help leaders be better leaders. That's what I wanted to do. But on that journey, I then, when I was in MBA school, I was crying one day because I hated it so much. And one of my professors (laughs) said, you know, you're in the wrong degree. You want a degree in organizational. He said industrial psychology at the time because I'm old. So (laughs) we used to call it that. That's what it was called way back when. (laughs) Yeah. But my PhD is actually in organizational psychology, not in clinical or something. At one of my jobs, my first internship I was at Hewlett Packard way back then. I think, is that what that was? You know, it's so long ago, I forget. But <laughs> I had somebody, some boss, you know, say, hey, you know, yelled out my name. Don't you know about drugs? <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, I'm in recovery. You know, I was always wow. open about being in recovery. And he said, oh, I've got this executive as a drug problem. You know, have you ever done that? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I lied and said I had, and I had not. And so I ended up 
working with, I ended up from that having this career working with executives in organizations who had drug and alcohol problems and doing that for a long time. And then that morphed into, I want to be home more with my kids. I don't want to be away all the time. And that morphed into me coming back from the, just the big, right. From the, everybody, you know, the large organizations, large multinationals to wanting to just work with like one-on-one with people again Mm -hmm. in a smaller frame. And then as I was doing that, I realized once again, I wanted to have a bigger impact. I was like, nope, this isn't it. I want more. And that's when it's so funny, right? And I really believe that if everyone had wonderful relationships, if people truly felt heard, seen, held, loved, and could communicate to each other effectively, that we would eradicate hate. Like that would be gone. And it would be, you know, war, greed, hate, racism, bias would be gone. So from there, I decided my mission was world peace. And that's what I've been doing. So in my little Just quarter, a small mission, my small mission. And I say I'm creating world peace, one relationship at a time. And so that's what I'm about is really getting the word out. And then I started the podcast and like you, I think we're like 136 countries or something, you know, the same kind of thing we've gotten global and it's really exciting and writing my book and having that go Amazon number one bestseller, you know, all the things like have really been happening where I can get, but I always want the information to be accessible, which is why I'm here with you today. I feel like no matter what your ability to pay, you should have access to excellent relationship information and actually be able to change your life, even if you can't afford to go to therapy. And that's the total mission of my podcast. I sponsor my podcast myself for that reason. And so, you know, people can really just listen and feel like they've had therapy if they, in some way, and a really good information that they can act on. And so that's where I am. And now here I am today. And I want to be able to, you know, see my kids every day and be in, you know, in my love and see my family and be with my friends. I wanted a life where I was in charge of it because I'm so bossy. I'm so controlling. I <laughs> and that's what I've created. So I've created a life it. where um, my office is like a mile from my house and I can really just call my shots and I can be sitting here talking to you today, which I love. And then later doing something else. So it's, I just feel like everyone can have this if you can dream it, you know, if you really think about it. I want to go back for just a second. How long since you quit heroin? Uh, 1985. Okay. So it's been a minute. I'm I'm doing quick math here. Yeah. yeah, Like it's coming up on 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's like a major, major life achievement. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah thank you so much. Yeah. It's been quite a journey and I still actually run, I've run a group in a drug and alcohol rehab for all that time, pretty much. Wow. And I still do that. I love working with addicts. I still love that. That's like a little section of my life. Mm-hmm. It's not the majority of my clients or anything anymore, but it's still something I'm really proud of and yeah. love doing. I love it. You say the real reason that relationships fail is competition, not communication. Mm. I want you to dig into this with us. We're going to go right into the heart of the matter here. Oh, (laughs) there. So that's what, you know, everybody who comes to my office pretty much, or anyone I've met in all these years, even working with teams, you know, in an organization, everyone says our number one problem is communication. We're not communicating. We need to communicate. And what I have found over the years is that, yeah, communication is a problem because, but that's like the, that's not the cancer, that's a symptom. 
And so the cancer, the real problem is competition. And we are raised this way. We are bred to be this way, especially here in the United States. And so we end up saying things like it's your turn, like in a love relationship, it shows up as it's your turn to put away the dishes. Mm. Think of that. It's your turn right away. We're taking turns. That's a game. I took Johnny to baseball on Monday. It's your turn to take Sophie to softball on Thursday. You spent money on this thing. I get to spend money on that thing. You spent time with your friends like this way, right? It's all tit for tat, all of it. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. And what happens is if we're on opposite teams like that, 
then I don't want you to win. <laughs> we are set up for me to be undermining you to not want your happiness. And you do end up with things like people. I actually had this recently. I had someone share in a couple session. It was the husband, but he'd been trying for this big promotion and he'd be in Europe all the time. He'd be like the head of European, whatever. And he got it and he announced it in the couple session. He was so excited to say it. He's been after a long time. And her immediate reaction was, great. While you're having fun in Europe, I guess I'll just be home taking care of the kids. Yeah. And you can imagine, I understand what she was saying because she's mm-hmm. thinking, great, you know, now I have more work. Now your win means I've lost. Mm-hmm. And this happens all the time. And so, and the answer, there's really two answers, you know, it's, well, there's three. <laughs> the one is that you have to see any, like for romance, really for anything, but you have to see it as a shared resource. You know, you can't tell your partner to take something off your plate because it's the same plate. So there's nothing coming off the plate. You're just moving around, you know, the peas. So you have to really realize that if your partner's drained, then you're drained. Mm-hmm. And so what happens a lot, let's say I have, I have another couple I'm thinking of, we just had this, the wife is the one who travels and she was away quite a bit. And she came home and he had been working and taking care of their two kids, right? You know, managing Mm -hmm. all the things. And she came home and he, you know, wants to just hand over the kids. I deserve a break now. I'm exhausted. And of course, she wasn't on vacation. She was off working, right? So, and as you know, if you've been away working, it's a lot. It's your hours are extended. You're traveling. You're in different time zones. You're not eating the same. You're probably not exercising the same. It's exhausting. And by the time you get home, you're exhausted. And so that's what usually happens. So what I tell people is, and what do we do? We're just looking to the other person. It's amazing how quickly we'll do that. And instead you have to look to do two things. One is to either add resources. So always what I say is if one partner goes away, you have kids, then hire someone to do some extra stuff for the time that they're away. You got to bring some other help in while they're gone. I don't care if it's someone to walk your dog or pick up the dog poop in the backyard or, you know, right. carpool your kids. If you don't have money, you can ask another parent to carpool your kids for a week. They'll do it. Yeah. We'll do it yeah. a second. You know, there's lots of ways you could ask, you know, your mother-in-law to come or father-in-law to come help for a week, whatever. There's a million things you could do, whether you have money or don't have money that can alleviate, that can draw, bring in, I call that adding resources mm-hmm. or you can either, so that's adding or you can subtract. You can take things off your plate. Maybe that week, little, you know, Juan doesn't go to, you know, soccer every day. Maybe that week he takes off. Maybe, you know, you don't clean the kitchen the way you normally would or do laundry or make like something has to give. You can just say, well, maybe we're just not going to do all the things we usually do. If the kids have, I don't know, piano lessons that week, just don't have them. Like skip a week, just take things off the plate. So that when you guys come together again, at least one of you isn't drained and there's some energy there that you can share. So that's really at the base and just learning to truly be happy for our partners and to understand that when there's a win or if that's on your work team or if that's a good friend of yours, that a win means a win for you too because you're sharing that energy. This episode is supported by Talkspace. Oh my goodness. (laughs) 
we keep on thinking that maybe we're turning a corner in this pandemic, in this world, in this division in our country, and then we think maybe we're not. And it is a lot, a lot, a lot. And I have to say, I am so proud of so many of us who have sought therapy during this time. And I know that there's so many more of you who are like, maybe now's the time. Maybe I'm ready because holy cow, this world continues to be so much to absorb. So if you think that maybe you could benefit from talking to someone, I promise you, you can. (laughs) Because I know how therapy has been helpful to me over the course of my lifetime in a couple different ways, but also in this last year, especially in 2021. And I also have heard from so many of you who have sought out therapy during this time and found so much relief and connection and support and just like peace around being able to sit in a place with an objective, educated expert who can listen and guide you when you need guidance and who can just be there during these really sticky times. I know one of the things that I appreciate the most about therapy as an extrovert is that it's a place for me to just talk and talk and talk. And I often come to my own realizations during therapy because I'm just talking things out and not feeling like I'm wasting someone's time or taking up too much space. And as I talk things through, I oftentimes come to my own light bulb moments, which is really, really empowering and really helps me see that everything that I need is already within me, but sometimes I need to talk it out. (laughs) And so I think therapy could also be great for you during this time if any of this is resonating with you. And Talkspace makes it happen. Talkspace has thousands of licensed therapists available now for you. Their therapists are experts in dozens of specialties, including anxiety, depression, relationships, and so much more. So here's what I want you to do. If you've been thinking at all about getting started with therapy and you just want to check it out, go to Talkspace.com and you're going to fill out their form that allows you to get matched with a licensed therapist who aligns with your current needs. And you're going to get $100 off your first month with the promo code SHAMELESS. So that's $100 off when you go to Talkspace.com and use the code SHAMELESS. That's Talkspace.com code SHAMELESS. I want to, you said something that was really interesting about the plate and there's a visual that goes with this for me. And I'm curious if this resonates with people listening and if maybe you've had talked with your other clients about it in this way. But I think I've always thought of like, there's two plates, <laughs> like there's my plate, my partner's plate. And then like when my plate gets really full, then we have this assumption that like, oh, it must be nice for our partner's plate to just be so empty and have, you know, three things on it and minus 33 and like all the conclusions that we jump to. And when we think of that concept of plate, I also think of like the scale with the two sides and like the more my plate gets full, like the assumption is that partner's plate is getting lighter. Again, a lot of assumptions there, but these are like the images in my mind. And when you go to the idea of talking about a shared plate, it like destroys that whole concept, (laughs) which is really, really fascinating. Like it totally from this visual or from looking at it from a visual perspective, it dumps the whole model upside down. And now there's the one plate and moving things on that plate feels very different and it feels very collaborative instead of very separate. And I think that's a really eye-opening way to look at it to me. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I I talk a lot about, you know, even when you're negotiating with your partner on something, like if you disagree about something that it's normally on a line, right? Like point A and point B, you know, you're A, I'm B, and we're trying to come together along this straight line. And we know from the research that in a negotiation, both parties feel like they gave up more than the other person. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we know right away (laughs) 
that you're both going to feel like. Wait a minute. Person. I thought only I ever felt that way. Uh-huh. And, I and I definitely thought I was always right. All right. Uh-huh. Always right. Well, we, we know we're always right, but you know, <laughs> beyond that, but you know, that's again, that like, oh, their plate is this. And my plate is this, you know, we're doing that. My plate thing, your plate thing. So what I tell people is you want to, the other visual to have is that you want to look at your relationship, like a triangle, not like a straight line. And so you're each at the base of a triangle And you're not looking to get along the line together. You're looking up towards that third point at the top. Mm -hmm. And so whatever the solution is, when you're collaborating, when you're both driving towards that same thing that we're going to have. So the goal isn't, I'm going to convince you the other day, I had this with a couple, they were arguing about private school versus public school. And one partner wanted private and one partner wanted public. And They were back and forth about this and they were, you know, here's the pros and here's the cons, right? That's along the line. Can you see it? That's just along the line. And I'm trying to get you over here to what I'm thinking and you're trying to get me over there and we're struggling. And again, it's that power dynamic, that competition. But if I'm collaborating together, we're looking forward together that really the goal is that isn't private school or public school. The goal is that we come to something mutually because we love each other so much and we're so devoted to our children that really feels good for both of us and that we can both dive into headfirst and really get behind. When Mm -hmm. that's the goal, when you set that intention, a whole different thing happens. And so now they're brainstorming. And I said to them, brainstorm anything, like anything. Like maybe they'll, I don't know, maybe you'll all move to Guatemala and you'll all live on a continent. I don't know, like anything. Like what else is there besides this idea of private or public? What else is there? There's hybrid schools, there's charter schools, there's all kinds of things, right? So just brainstorm, even things you think you'll never do, just throw them up there. And as they were doing that, you know, and having fun, by the way, they were kind of laughing, you know, they about what it could look like. Of course, you start really talking about what's important and what you value as a as I was going to say, it's like family. the values behind your yep. ideas versus yep. like those right and wrong or my way or your way. Yeah, I can see where you would go to now this point of shared values that becomes yep. and that was it. And by the way, they ended up agreeing on a public charter school in the end. But they both were behind it a thousand percent. It's not that you're not going to come down on one of those options because you might. Mm -hmm. But the difference is that the partner, there was two wives, that the partner, the woman who was really private school all the way, she was a thousand percent behind this other idea. Do you know what I mean? Like, so they as a family, as a couple and as a family, now we're really going full force. And that's a different way to be. They created something new together because it's not just a new idea. It's a new shared meaning about the idea. Mm, And when you start doing that, all kinds of things open up, all kinds of things happen. And again, it gets rid of that competition. So I love the two plates to one plate. And then this other idea, you know, this other visual triangle. Yeah, I love it. How can, okay, so we referenced this a minute ago and kind of with like the, I'm always right kind of a thing. And (laughs) so how can we move past this feeling of, I always give more. And I think that this probably comes up in a lot of different contexts within a relationship. I mean, I know for sure within, within parenting, it's often just that the mom feels like 
they're the head of household, the primary caregiver, the default parent, the family manager. So it comes up in motherhood a lot, I think, but I think it can also come up in the marriage where there's people that feel like they leave the marriage. And I would say that like, you know, I feel this around motherhood, but my husband would probably think that he would say that he feels this way about date night. Like he's the one to like book event like buy tickets to events and things like that i'm sure he can hear through my wall right now i'm sure he's loving me talking about this (laughs) i'm sure that he would be like why don't you ever buy tickets to something like if he sees a fun thing he'll buy tickets for us to go together and i'm like i'm worried about like the grocery list (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so i think we probably both think that we both give more in those in different capacities and how do we get beyond that feeling of feeling like we give more than the other person or in certain capacities yeah it's the fair thing right you know, again, pull your weight. It's not fair. It's really a paradigm shift into just giving a hundred percent and assuming that your partner is doing the best with the resources they have. Mm -hmm. End of that. Your partner, your, whoever that is, is never looking to piss you off. That's number one. So if they do, it's not on purpose. I mean, very occasionally, obviously there's passive aggressive behavior or something else, but that's not really what people men especially are not looking to piss off their women. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> they, I've talked to thousands of them. They are not. And it's very rare. And so when you're talking about that, it's about really understanding the value in a relationship. So the value that my partner brings to something isn't like, if we're just comparing hours, your men are screwed, right? We know, like, if you look at the research, women do, you know, when women get married, They do seven hour on average, seven hours more work per week Mm -hmm. at home. So we take on more and we live less long and men live longer when they're married. So (laughs) it's all it it is. They live an average of like six years longer when they're married. I mean, it is all stacked for men. There's no two ways about it. That is what's happening. So you can rail against that machine or not, or you can also not look at the hour to hour thing and you can pull back and go, why am I in a long-term relationship with this person? Why am I married? And I say all the time, I did not marry my husband because he can mow the lawn so well, <laughs> right? But guess what you end up fighting about? That kind of crap. Totally. You, you should never want to be fighting about something that you could hire someone to do because that means it's not the real issue. I want the value that your husband has in this thing he does, right? Is wonderful, amazing, incredible. And the value that you bring and the things you hold are amazing, wonderful, and valuable, right? But the problem is that if you're looking for the other person to always like, well, like if he assigns meaning to you not buying tickets to things, right? If he says, oh, she doesn't really love me. If she loved me, she'd know how important this was. And she would buy tickets too. She doesn't really care about the relationship the way I do. That's the problem is the meaning we assign to what's happening. And it doesn't mean that at all. You love him completely. You, this doesn't mean you don't think the relationship is important. You just think other things are more important in the relationship. For you, groceries and shopping and all that, that's more important, right? And having food on the table for your kid and whatever. You know, but I got to tell you, your man might say, well, I'd rather have sex more often and eat Domino's pizza every night. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that might be a popular vote among many men and many within many right? marriages. I know. But then we're judging them for what and saying, well, what we think is important is right. And what you right. think is important is wrong because my kid needs good nutrition and little Johnny has a gluten allergy. And I'm the only one who worries about that. And I'm the one who goes to the doctor's appointment. So I'm, yes, thank God. That's great. Oh God. You, it's like you live in my head right now. Okay. <laughs> 
I mean, it's like you've been doing this for 35 years. It's like I've been doing this for a minute. I know. Okay. So I want to talk about boundaries because I totally hear what you're saying about, so you said like, stop feeling like you're always doing more than your partner and like the stories that we get so caught up in and then the resentment that builds up. But so I think that to your point that like, yes, our partners are not wanting to intentionally do less than us or like, they're not looking like expecting to be waited on hand and foot. Mm -hmm. And Sometimes I work with a lot of high achiever women who like, and perfectionistic women who are the gatekeepers and like to just do all the things. And it can get a little martyry if we're being honest. And so then we are doing all these things and we sometimes have not even like considered that we could just ask a partner to help us out. And and so how can we like talk about boundaries and how we can be more clear around what we want and what we need so that we don't put ourselves in these murder situations where we're doing all the things and then mad that we're doing all the things. Right. Oh my God. That happens all the time. Oh, I have so much to say. Okay. I'm going to try not to go for two hours talking to you. So there's a few things here. Number one, don't ask your partner to do the right. See, that's the whole point. If you're doing all these things, don't necessarily ask your partner for help. Ask someone else for help. (laughs) Bring in a resource into the marriage. Don't always think, well, it's either me or my partner. That even just that way of thinking has to go. Remember, it wasn't that long ago that villages raised kids. Remember? It's I'm like we are so new to this thing where we live in a little house alone without extended family everywhere and cousins and everybody around helping daily with all the things. So this idea that two people can raise kids is really crazy. That it's not true. It's never been true in the history of people. We've been here 200 million years, and it's only in the last 100 that we started doing. It's a faulty system. It doesn't work. So even that idea that, well, I should just ask him for help. And trust me, I think it's great to ask for help. I'm just saying, don't just ask and maybe ask your partner for some things, but don't Mm -hmm. like, let's leave them free. You know, they're doing everything. They're swimming as fast as they can. Mm -hmm. So what can, you know, again, how else can I bring in resources? What can I let go from my plate? You know, what can I have leave that I think has to happen that doesn't? And I am a recovering perfectionist. So I so relate and I'm a control enthusiast as (laughs) Gary likes (laughs) I am a nut control, nutty, nutty woman and a bossy Jewish mom. I've got it all right. And I have to (laughs) rein it in all the time to not, because that's my fear-based stuff, that I'm not good enough, that I'm not worthy, that it's a transactional thing, that love Mm -hmm. is transactional, that my worth is in what I do. That's my crap. And I got to go deal with that. And I see my wonderful therapist, thank you very much, so that I don't have to live in that. Mm -hmm. But that's what perfectionism is. We're telling the world, unless I'm this way, I don't deserve your love. And so to me, that means you need to work on that. And that is not about your partner. That is not about your kids. That is not about your work. That is about you. And so how can you be just you and draw boundaries, say no, because you deserve to say no to things. (laughs) That is your right in the world. And remember that no is a full sentence. No does not need an explanation. It does not need to be justified. It's just, no, you know, no, thanks. Can't do that. No, it's just no. And, and then it can be I, a conversation around like, well, I'm not going to do this anymore. Like, do you want to take it over? Do we want to outsource this? Like, how can this get done instead? And I mean, that's, those are conversations that we've had in yes. our house around 
keeping the house clean, keeping the yard clean, keeping the dog walked, having the meals done. Like there's conversations around like, who's going to do what? Cause I'm not doing all of it. I mean, even with like, we've had conversations around laundry stuff where I'm like, well, I'm not washing sheets anymore. So yeah, my cleaning lady, my cleaning <laughs> person washes, washes our sheets. I, I love you so much. Our cleaning person, mm-hmm. uh, she washes the sheets. That didn't even occur to me till years in like, Oh, I could ask her. I'll pay her more. I'm happy yeah. to. Yeah. Could you also do the laundry? She was like, yeah, no problem. I said, I love you so much. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, and, or have the person come twice a week and do that stuff. But even mm-hmm. that, like to go to your partner, I even want to gently say, let's not go and say, Hey, do you want to do this? Or should we do that? Or No, 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 stop. Hey, I'm feeling really tired. There's a lot on my plate. There's some things I want to get rid of. I'd like to brainstorm with you how to do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Because even when you come with all the suggestions that puts people on the defensive. If the first thing out of your mouth is, do you want to take it? You know what I mean? It's like a, you know, like you should be doing this. You know, I'm doing a lot. You're not doing as much as me because otherwise you wouldn't even ask them to take it. If you thought they were doing as much as you, that they were doing the best they could with the resources they had, that they were trying as hard as they could to stay afloat. If you believe that, you would never in a million years ask. Just like you feel like, you know, I have felt like I want to kill Gary when he's asked me to do something sometimes. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Do you see how busy I am? Did you not just hear me talk about my day? I'm looking at him like he's tone deaf, right? Like, how is he missing this? But then I ask him two minutes later to do something. Right. Because, right, he's not as busy as me. I'm the queen. I do it all. You know, it's this idea we have and people have different capacities. And it is, I'm telling you that in general, your partner will not have the capacity you do. They just don't. It's just not how it happens. And so, 
you can't expect them to be you. Again, are you getting your needs met? Do you feel loved? Do you feel cherished? Do you feel you know whole? Those are the things I care about. And that's what the big conversation should be about. But this other stuff, and let them in on the problem solving. Otherwise, one more time, we're the ones owning everything. Yes, we're right? the gatekeeper. We're, yeah. yep, we're the gatekeeper again. And it's because, you know, <laughs> this got said to me years ago in my own couples therapy <laughs> that I wasn't getting off the plate, but I was expecting him to bat. Mm. And I was so mad that he wasn't getting into the batting box, but I was never really off the plate. You were like standing right there. I was standing right on the whole plate, baby. Right on the whole plate. I wasn't swinging. I was just pissed that nobody else was there. Right. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and we do that all the time, even in those subtle ways. Like, I'm so happy you just shared because I do it too still. It's like, trust me, you can know all this stuff. And I still find things coming out of my mouth that I can't believe. But anyway, yeah. but the good news is I usually notice and I can stop it before it gets too far. But, but I want you to see just that even like, we're always holding all the things and asking for help. Like, Hey, help me solve this without giving suggestions is a great place to start just in really getting collaborative about things. I love that. This episode is supported by my very own 15 minute manifest. Oh my goodness. I created my 15 minute manifest as a free tool to offer all of you a while back, because here's what I know. I know that what you do first thing in the morning matters and has big impact on the rest of your day. If you can take a few minutes to yourself early in the morning, first thing before the day takes control of you, you get to take back the power in order to have a positive, powerful, and productive day. I created this free resource a while back. And at this point, over a thousand of you have used this tool over and over and over again and have given me feedback in terms of how helpful it has been for you to be able to stop dreading your day and to start turning your dreams into a reality by simply taking a minute to frame your day in those first few minutes after you get up. So this tool is meant to be used over the course of 15 minutes or less. If you don't have 15 minutes, that's okay. I show you how to do it in less time in order to energize your day, in order to help you kick off the day feeling fueled and fired up and ready to go. So in this tool, you are going to get my 15 minute routine that helps fuel your day. You're going to get the exact tools and resources that I use to start every day to feel energized and exhilarated. I'm going to give you three essential questions to ask yourself in the morning. I'm going to give you 10 five-minute workout options so that you can get moving quickly in the morning in a way that feels good and that gets you fired up and fueled up and ready to go without having to like break a major sweat, go to a gym, do anything hugely significant. Just something that has impact in terms of moving your body, getting the blood flowing and getting you ready to go. And then I'm also going to give you my top 20 book recommendations, the books that I have been reading over the years that light me up and lift me up, especially on those mornings when I'm like, mama needs some help. <laughs> and so I want you to go get this free tool I created just for you. It's a downloadable free ebook. If you go to shamelessmom.com slash 15mm for 15 minute manifest, you can download it for free today. That's shamelessmom.com slash 15mm. You mentioned fear a minute ago. Can you talk about how to move from having, how to have faith in love and not fear? Because I think that's a tricky one. Mm -hmm. And well, it's very easy for us to be fear-based and stay fear-based. Yep. Yeah. Oh, well, we're built that way. I mean, I want to say that's our biology. So I won't get into a whole thing about that right now, but here's, I mean, okay. So I want to say two things about this. One is that faith is having belief in something you cannot see. 
And you can't see that things are all going to go to crap if you don't, you know, make sure that, oh, did you bring the baseball bat? And did you remember the bag? And do you have the cleats? And do you have, right? But I'm doing all that and holding all that, but because I'm so sure it's going to get forgotten. And then later I'm going to have to pick up this mess. And, or I'm going to have to do more work later. That's what a lot of things happen. That probably sounds familiar. And that idea, you're having faith and fear. As opposed to having faith in love, in, in when I say fear versus love, love-based emotions are compassion, patience, all those good things, right? Kindness, gentleness, and the fear-based emotions are, you know, the frustration, the overwhelm, the resentment, the anger, the, well, anger is a good emotion, but the hopelessness, the helplessness, the overwhelm, right? And so when you're having faith that things are going to go wrong, that you, it's no more realistic than that things are going to go Right. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you really quickly why this is true from a science perspective. So there's a couple pieces here. One is that something called your reticular activating system or your RAS for short. And your RAS is a filter between your conscious and your subconscious mind. And basically whatever you're thinking of consciously, your RAS sends it to your subconscious as an order to look for it. So the easiest example of this is whenever you've been pregnant, have you ever noticed how many pregnant people there are? <laughs> It's like pregnant women everywhere. (laughs) Well, when you're shopping for a certain kind of car or like, you're like, I've started thinking like, oh, the next year. So I might want to get this certain kind of car. And now I'm like, that's what everyone in Seattle has. Yes. Everyone (laughs) has that car. It's everywhere you look. Well, that is your RAS because you consciously thought about, you know, gray Nissan Pathfinder. And now that's all you see. Mm-hmm. Now, what's important is that the RAS will filter out because the brain is very economical. The RAS will filter out anything that doesn't match. So if you're thinking, my husband always forgets everything and I have to remind, you know, or my husband's or my wife's always nagging me or whatever, then it sends it, your conscious brain through your RAS sends that to your subconscious to look, your partner's screwing up, to look for them nagging, to look for this thing and it'll find it everywhere just like those cars on the road. And it'll filter out the times that your partner remembered all the good things, did everything perfectly. It'll filter out the times that he or she was appreciative and loving and kind. It'll filter those out. So it seems like in you're thinking, well, reality is, well, I know what he's going to say. I know what she's thinking. And then you go, oh, there's the proof. The problem mm-hmm. is you are skewing your brain. You're actually not seeing what's true. You're not. And we also call this the confirmation bias in that your brain will fill in the blanks of, and it will confirm what you already believe. It will find ways to prove you right. So I know you think you see this thing everywhere and you think I'm crazy right now. People listening going, no, 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 but my partner really does do these things. It's like, well, yeah, they do, (laughs) but not the way you think they do and not as often as you think they do. And that is why you've had those arguments how many times where you said, you never blah, blah, blah. And they're like, yesterday I did this. Last week I did that. Last month I did this. By the way, now we're listing and we're competing again, just for the mm-hmm. record. But, yes. Right. But, and you're looking at them like they're crazy. No, you didn't. Or I don't remember that. Or, oh, that was one time. And it's not true. You are lying to yourself. So you can choose to believe or not believe. And either way, you really will be correct. So I say, choose love, choose compassion, choose patience, choose the best, choose the most hope, choose all those good things, because that is what will, I'm telling you, it will start showing up everywhere and you will feel like, wow. So here's the other piece. This will really get you. This is the work of uh, Timothy Wilson. So 
Our conscious brains process information at a rate of 50 bits per second, while our unconscious brains process information at a rate of 11 million bits per oh second. Oh my goodness. I want, yeah, I want you to hold that for a second, right? So your partner doesn't hear what you say, they hear what you mean. So when you are talking to your partner, and you're being, let's say like, oh, I'm trying this new tool Abby told me to try, right? <laughs> I'm setting intention. I'm being positive. I'm, you know, I'm in love. But unconsciously, you're like, this is never going to work. It's so simple. Abby's crazy. She doesn't understand. Maybe she was drunk on the podcast and lost her sobriety. I don't know what she was talking about. So you're doing all the doubt and the worry and the anxiety. That's what your partner picks up on. And so they think, they're watching you, they're hearing what you're doing, but in their brains, probably also unconsciously, they're thinking, well, yeah, she's being nice now, but let's see how long this lasts. So they don't change anything because right. they don't believe it. So then you do the thing for maybe a few days or a week, the new tool or whatever, and then it doesn't work. You know, they haven't changed. And you go, oh, see, I told you, I knew I was right about this. I see, I told you, Abby, I, you were wrong. <laughs> I was right. And then you go back to your old behavior and then your, let's say your husband in this situation, you know, says, Oh, I'm so glad I didn't do anything. I knew it was going to go back to the way it was. And there we sit. So you have to, have to, have to align that conscious and unconscious thinking. You've got to do that. You really got to get yourself so that you believe and you hold that and you're clear about what you really think. And when you notice the thoughts telling you something else, the yeah, buts, or the, mm, I don't know, or let's see how long this lasts, or, you know, we always go back to the way things were. We never can stick with change, whatever. When you hear that, you really have to actively dispute it. You've got to go after it. That totally makes sense. And it's like a total practice, like over and over again. So you have to decondition, untrain the ways that you've conditioned your brain to work in the past. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So you say that underneath it all, we all want the same things. And I want you to tell us what those things are. Like these are the things <laughs> that unify us that sometimes we can be, we can forget about them. Yeah. I mean, everybody wants to have deep connection. Yeah. Everyone wants to feel loved for who they are. And I'll tell you the big thing. Everyone wants unconditional acceptance, not unconditional love. Mm. And the thing, and this is our kids, this is everybody. Yeah. So I had this not long ago, I had a, a mom who had a gay son and I was talking to the two of them together and she, you know, does not like that he's gay. And she was saying things like, you know, are you sure it's not a phase? You know, are you, how do you know you're 17? You know, this could be something you go through. And he was of course very upset. He was knew he was gay. There wasn't a thing about it. And I said to her, you know, and she said, well, he knows I love him. And I said, yeah, he knows you love him, but he doesn't feel that because you don't accept him. You're not accepting. Right. I said, first of all, there was a, she had a 15 year old daughter too. And I said, have you told your daughter who was straight? I said, have you told her she should date some women to make sure she knows she's heterosexual? And, you know, that took a minute for her. And I said, right. If this is a phase, this is what you're saying to your son. Then why isn't it a phase that your daughter might be heterosexual? Like let's, you know, and that helped her see some of her bias around it, which was good. But beyond that, I was just, I said, you know, you have to accept your kids for who they are, not who you want them to be, not who you, you know, your own fears. Cause she started to talk about that. You know, I'm so afraid, you know, gay people get beat up and they get teased and you know, all the things she's thinking, right. Mm -hmm. uh, not having grandchildren, all, all kinds of stuff. And I was like, that's your fear. And again, have to have faith in the love. 
have to have faith in who he is as a human. And so when you think of your partner or anyone, really think, do I accept this person wholly for who they are? Am I always trying to change them? Am I always wishing they were different? Do I love them despite something? I need you to love them because, not despite, not even though, but that's part of it. You know, I have a lot of energies, you might have noticed, Uh, (laughs) you know, and you can imagine living with me, it can get a little annoying, you know? (laughs) I know, so hard for living with me. So, I mean, I think Uh, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we get a lot of crap done, girl, but we can't all be lucky lesbians. That's what I always say. I'm like, ah, if only I was a lesbian. You know, I tried in college, didn't stick. You know, you can do what you can. So, but you know, when you're really in your, if you can really see your partner and see yourself, like if we can all just really accept. So my energy level, you know, the way I am, even though it's annoying sometimes, it's also really wonderful to have sometimes, right? I get a lot of stuff done. I have people over, I, you know, I do all the things, but there's other times where I'm trying to do too much and I get a little overwhelmed. Right. And it's like, Oh, I thought I could do all these things, but you know, Gary has to love me with all of it. Cause you don't get to pick and choose. Oh, I like that he's this way here, but not this way here. I like that she does this, but not that. No, no, no. You get the whole package. You don't get to just choose which parts of the exuberance you like and when you don't, because that has people feeling like we have to be perfect to be loved. And that's where we get into trouble. Right. Absolutely. Tell us how you're currently showing up as a shameless mom. Oh, so... I show up in a lot of ways as a shameless mom. (laughs) You know, I am that mom, first of all, who it's so funny. Right before the pandemic, this happened. I'm on Facebook and there's, you know, but we have a very small community here. And when I drive the kids to school, I drive them to school, but I got to get to work, you know, and I live in an uh, area that definitely has a little more, I think, affluence and that kind of thing, I will say. So a lot of the moms are like walking their kids to school and they have their yoga pants on, they're you, they're that, you know, but, you know, but then they're going to the gym, they have the afternoon. I don't know what they're doing, but I don't have that. I got clients waiting, I'm running, you know, or whatever. And I'm not judging. That's great. I love that they have that, but you know, I'm stopping the car sort of where, you know, all the traffic stops near the school. So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, kids out of the car, out of the car, let's go, let's go, you know, tuck and roll. Right. I got right, right. to a five miles an hour and they jump out. I think it's perfectly safe, but right on Facebook, one of these other moms who I really like was like, I can't believe these parents who stop in the street and let their kids out, go find a parking space. This is crazy. It's so dangerous. You know, and she was on and on. And I just got right on there and said, I'm the mom who does that. Like, good for you. It's me, baby, all day long. And I was also the mom here in Berkeley who had Lunchables for their kids. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. This is an area where moms have- I was going to say, you can't, that's not allowed in Berkeley. Oh, it's not. It needs to be organic and gluten-free and (laughs) sugar-free. And homemade and put in the reusable little glass jar. Same in Seattle, same here. Yeah. (laughs) And I would sit there at like the Discovery Museum with my kids with their Lunchables. And of course, all the other kids wanted my kids' snack. Oh, like totally. everybody out, like they were all, and the mother, and they would talk about me and be very pissed off and really shaming and judging and all the things, although I am shameless. So it was like, uh-uh, girl. And my kids, meanwhile, are offering like little mini Oreos to all the kids. I was going to say the Oreos. <laughs> They're like, your kids are the most popular kids there. So you could say share because there's plenty at my house. There's tons of Lunchables and I'm a Jewish mother. You think I didn't have 800 pounds of food with me? I'm like, yeah, sure. They know. And uh, yeah, so I'm a shameless mom. I love it. Yeah, I love it. So good. This has been so, I know that there's been some things. This has been 
fascinating and fun as I knew it would be, but also I know there's going to be some things in this conversation that really helped shift some perspectives around our listeners view of their relationships and also their sense of power to improve their perspective on their relationships and also improve the capacity that and everything that they carry and their perspective around the capacity that they carry. And so I so appreciate everything that you shared here, Abby. Can you tell people where they can connect with you, find you, read the books, listen in on all your good things. All the things can be found really on my website, which is abbymedcalf.com. It's M-E-D-C-A-L-F, A-B-B-Y, M-E-D-C-A-L-F.com. And all the social media, everything is there. And I did just think out of now out of my whatever, I just posted this kind of epic blog post with the complete guide to effective communication. And in that, I just thought of it. I have, it's free a free download for an align to how to a toolkit for how to align your conscious and your unconscious minds. Cause I'm just realizing we're talking about that. That might be very helpful for people. Okay. So you can go on over to the website to the blog and it's, it's sort of an epic blog post. It's like a, a small book, <laughs> but and you'll, you can scroll down and find that, you know, that little thing there. And it might be a really great thing to download to nice. learn how to align. Is that the complete guide to effective communication? Oh yes, it is. Okay. So I'm on your website right now. I'm going to link to the website and then I'm going to link to that post in particular. So people can go get that. And then I will also link to all the social channels. Is there, do you have like a preferred social channel that you spend most time on? You want to I, I think we spend most time on Instagram for sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can see me in stories chatting about my boring life and my shameless mom times. <laughs> all, all your Jewish mom stories. I'm, I can't wait. All there, all there. <laughs> Awesome. Okay. So I will link all that up in our show notes. So people go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Abby Medcalf, and you can get all those goodies right there. Abby, thank you for being here. This was a ton of fun. I know that you help people learn about their relationships in new ways today that are going to help them shift things in ways that are more powerful and give their relationships maybe a bit of a renewed sense of purpose, which I think might be greatly appreciated. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. It was totally great. I'll come back anytime. Oh, yay, definitely. Every time you write a book, you got to come back. Okay. (laughs) Thank you, Abby. All right, take care. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. That will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be Shameless Mom of the Week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly.
feel like you're the martyr in your family, you're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.